My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm very excited today. We have the wonderful, extravagant Sam Baltrusis. Baltrusis? How do you pronounce that? It's Baltrusis. Baltrusis. Um, so Sam is, I mean, you wear many hats. You're an author. You are a lecturer. You have done eight, I think, national TV shows. Yeah, um, so I, I was just looking at the my list. It's actually, it's more than that, but so there's television shows and I've done documentaries as well. So I would say around 12. Yeah, I mean, I, just going through all of the stuff that you've done, I'm like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get the total amount from him because you are a man of many, many different tricks and trades and you wear a lot of hats. So I'm very impressed. Um, so I guess on that note, I'm going to pass the torch to you and kind of let you fill us in on what you've been up to. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm an author. I've written 16 books altogether. I just had my latest book called Fueled by Fear, uh, which is number 16, uh, come out. And so I'm so excited about that. <coughs> I've also, um, I, I, I've just been super uh, busy the past couple of days. I, I did a, what I call Spirit Squad Weekend, uh, where so I, I work with a group of up-and-coming mediums, and we gather together at a place called Edgewood Manor Inn in, in Providence, Rhode Island, and did it. It was, a, it was beautiful. We had workshops. We had different uh, things that we discussed in regards to uh, fine-tuning their clairs, which is, uh, you know, being able to uh, tap into the spirit realm. So very beautiful weekend. I was able to go back to a location that um, both terrifies me and is, has a part of my history, which is the Lizzie Borden Ben Breakfast. Uh, and I, I did talk about that on social media, but going back there after filming this show called Curse of Lizzie Borden, this is the first time. So kind of still recovering from that, but yeah, super busy. Uh, always have a new project that I'm working on and hopefully passing it on to the younger generation, uh, which is what Spirit Squad is all about. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, it was funny because um, I wanted to talk there's so much I want to talk about my brain. I think like my ADD brain is just exploding with like, okay, I want to go here. I want to go here. Um, but I had just recently saw that you had gone back to Lizzie Borden um, on your Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I have to hear about this first incident and kind of what took place. If you're able to share that, I wasn't sure if that was something maybe you were writing on or working on, but if you're able to share it with our listeners, kind of maybe touch upon um, that experience and what kind of happened? Yeah, so it's more about the history for me. Uh, so it's going to be some whole, it, this is a really long story, but for about 12 years, I um, I I have gone to the Lizzie Borden Ben Breakfast. So there were previous owners, uh, Leanne Wil Wilbur, who was amazing, has worked with me. Um, I had recurring nightmares of the house and of the murders for most of my life. Uh, so when I say uh, the nightmares were, um, I would 
walk into a house in my dream, uh, I would see what looks like a, a woman holding a hatchet standing behind a couch while a man was sitting on the couch. It was black and white, and it would say Diablo did it as a, as a, as, as a meaning that the murders that happened in 1892 uh, actually was something else other than the woman holding the hatchet. Um, this is I, I have followed the case, but not necessarily. I, I specialize in the Salem witch trials, so I really didn't know too, too much about the case. But so it took me years to actually walk inside the house. And this was in 2012. And then I started kind of becoming more comfortable with the location because I do know I do feel you know, identify, I identify as clairvoyant now, but at the time I was super sensitive to the energies in the house, but not realizing that um, I'm actually related to the Borden family. And yeah, oh. yeah, not once, but twice. And this actually was uncovered in 2019. And I feel, um, I, you know, so after finding that out, I really, um, it, it rocked my world. Uh, I wanted to find out more information. I actually, and also really, because my, my idea of what happened in 1892, so it was August 1892, uh, two horrific murders happened at the murder house in Fall River. Uh, and uh, my distant cousin, Lizzie Borden, or she likes to be called Lizbeth actually, um, was acquitted of murdering her father, Andrew Borden, and her stepmother, Abby Borden. So years and years of investigating the house before I found this out. Uh, once I found that out, things kind of switched for me um, and I started connecting really strongly with the energies of the house as in um, as a clairvoyant uh, using different uh, investigative tools like the Estes method um, like actually That's with the headphones right so you use noise yeah. cancellation earphones and you uh, a blindfold and people ask questions in the room and it got I was we were getting really hardcore uh, responses from using that with uh, groups that would come in. We would actually rent out the, the bed and breakfast for overnight investigations. My last investigation there was the day before everything shut down during COVID. So this was um, the, uh, March 13, 2020. And I have to say that investigation right before COVID was the most intense investigation I've ever had in the house. Uh, and a lot of it went into what I believe was sexual abuse uh, directed towards my distant cousin, Lizzie Borden. So there was, I, I didn't have that before. So that was sort of the beginnings of what became, um, so during COVID, I, you know, we were stuck inside. So I wasn't able to actually go back to the house. Um, but I did go back for a show called The Curse of Lizzie Borden. And uh, that was a documentary or a shock doc that aired on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. And I must add, it just won a Gold Telly Award, which is an, an international award for excellence uh, for the show. Um, I was on the show with Dave Strader from The Holzer Files and a renowned medium Chris Fleming and Luann Jolly who was a local investigator and we were there for almost a week uh, investigating the whole backstory to my family lineage uh, and you know having done the, all the research and um, we, we actually uncovered that not only am I related to the the Borden family but also related to the Putnams who were the major accusers in the Salem witch trials and many more people. So it was a bombshell. And I, so I go in, um, right before I was about to film, I would have visitation dreams where um, I, I knew I was about to do something extremely profound. Um, I, I was connecting, I would, I'm not sure what, with 
what energy I was connecting with, but it, it kept warning me about going back to that house. So there was a really intense fear. I got a call from a medium about a week before filming and she was like, okay, you're about to go film a TV show. It's, you're going to be in a black SUV driving down I-93, which is the road you have to take to get from Boston where I live to Fall River. And you're going to be in a fatal car accident. And, and first of all, if you're a medium, do not ever tell a, another person that they're going to be in a car accident. <laughs> so I know it's like the number one rule of like any type of special gifts. Like you don't. You don't yeah. do that. I do feel like that there was something attached to it, but I also, you just, as I, you know, that I was terrified. So when I was heading to set, I'm like, I'm about to die. And, and I literally, I, I get into an Uber. I make sure that the Uber is not a black SUV <laughs> like she predicted. Um, and I, and what's interesting though, is as I pull up in the, in the Uber, Dave Schrader pulls up in a black SUV and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> You're like, jump in my Uber. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the SUV. <laughs> so we spend several days and nights at the, the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. And I will say what uncovered was definitely amplified because when you get a certain group together, someone like Dave Schrader, who I trust immensely is an amazing investigator and also has a bit of a sensitivity going on. And to me, Chris Fleming is one of the best mediums in the field, but I had to actually never worked with him before but us together um it was this power cup like it was a power team it was just so powerful and i feel like that we had a lot of emotion because it was in the middle of covid um, i think the spirits in the house were used to being investigated pretty much every night and so what unfolded was probably the most uh, beautiful most terrifying uh couple of days of my life uh okay. i i leave I leave the property uh, filming the show, feeling really relieved. Uh, the show comes out about six, about seven months later. Um, and a lot of it, so I, I came on the Curse Lizzie Borden as a, as a historian uh, and a family member of the Borden family. I wasn't supposed to be kind of presented as a medium. And uh, what happened was I started to channel Eliza Borden, who was a distant relative. Uh, who actually married into the Borden family. So she wasn't a blood relative, but her children who she killed uh, 40 years before 1892 um, were, were family members. So I have I have a really intense ties to this case and to the spirits associated with uh, Lizzie Borden and specifically, um, you know, the, the murder house, but also at Maplecroft too. So going back, it's now, it's been about two years since filming The Curse of Lizzie Borden, I swear I would never go back. And the reason why I had some guilt or some, uh, so during the, the filming, uh, I told my distant cousin I would never say, ask her if she actually murdered her father and her stepmother, which is probably the question that everybody asks when they go to investigate. And she was just tired of asking, you know, people reaching out to her. And I, the producers were, you know, like, hey, can you do this? Uh, and oddly, it didn't actually end up in the show. but. While I was recording, I was recording. I'm like, Lizzie, did you kill your father and stepmother? I picked up a blood curling scream that still haunts me. It, it was just this really painful, like, why are you asking me this? Why are you doing this? Why did you promise me? And so that emotion um, 
there was a lot of guilt. And also after after filming, we uh, I, I made a pact. So the previous owner, Leanne Wilbur, a lovely person, actually passed away a few months after we filmed. And we dedicated Curse of Borden to Leanne's memory. Oh. And so there's a there's a lot there's a lot to it it's not just going back to a haunted house it's there's yeah, a lot of a, but i love a lot this of, i mean this is fantastic a, a lot of emotion so i had my spirit squad weekend this past weekend and we were at a bed and breakfast which was about 20 minutes away from the lizzie borden bed and breakfast so i'm like you know what i'm gonna go back because i'm with people that that i trust and we go back and we actually the tour was outside of the property but we did go inside the house and being back and there was a lot of trauma associated with my past in the house uh and also the trauma associated with filming curse of lizzie borden because i feel like that we were not only dealing with this, the the spirits of the house but there was something a darker energy that we were also dealing with too that i feel you know we had to push it to the side basically to get to the spirits of the house. So I was worried about the darker energy and, and, you know, yes, it's, it's still there. Uh, it, it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, and I was, I was afraid, I was afraid of not only for me, but other people that I was with my, my students, if they were going to get attacked. So my goal really was to go back to the house and see how I felt. Um, there was a, I, I, for the most part, I was unaffected. It wasn't like I was spending the night there. And it was almost like they kind of woke up like, oh, it's Sam. Let's, you know, let's go terrorize Sam. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't really get affected until I walked down to the basement. And I felt, I basically started getting nauseous, which I never really get nauseous. And I felt like something was stabbing me in the back, in my back, in the in the basement area. And I've always thought that the basement had had something else in it, like a darker energy, not saying it's the D word, but saying that it's something a little bit more sinister that doesn't necessarily belong in the house. Uh, and so if you actually watch the Curse of Lizzie Borden, our theory is that there is a darker energy that may have taken over uh, Lizzie, but not only Lizzie, but other people in my family, that, which is the, the sort of the curse of the family. Um, okay. So it was just not necessarily afraid of, of, of being taken over, but being afraid that someone that I cared about in my group would be attacked. That was more of my fear. And um, we did it, we head outside. So I, I did run out uh, very nauseous and I did, we did an apology ritual um, with a, with our group where we apologize for anything that, that I may have done that may have been offensive. It didn't support the family. Uh, and I promised, I promised my distant cousin I would never call her back there. And that was, that was the number one thing I told my students. I'm like, do not call Lizzie back to the house. She does not want to go back to the place that her, was where her father and stepmother were murdered. And she doesn't take accountability, responsibility for the murders. But if there, you know, but people ask me, do I think she did it? And I do, but I, but I also think she was not in her right mind. It was not like her. It was very much right. like an influenced act is kind of. Like a disassociative, uh, like another theory I have is like a splinter personality. I do, okay. I do feel like that there, there was sexual abuse. So when you have that kind of trauma uh, in her family, which of course back in 1892, that would not be recorded. But when you have that, it's going to, you're a, almost like a break in your personality, disassociative disorder. Yeah. Uh, I, there is an entity at the house that is not Lizzie, but she sort of takes the role of Lizzie, and I call her Crazy Lizzie. It's almost like a splinter personality that psychically oh. imprinted itself into the house. 
and it's wow. and it's still it's still there it's still there um and crazy lizzie is is crazy so it, yeah. and it's something that kind of assumes the role of lizzie borden so long story short it was i it was beneficial it was healing for me to go back um but i also think that um things are different since uh, with the new owners uh, when i walked into the the room where Andrew Borden was was killed. Um, there's a couch, and that's where I channeled Eliza Borden. And actually going back to the location and and actually remembering the lo- spots in the house where I filmed the show and had such a profound experience was weird, and it also also healing as well. That's that's amazing. It's so funny because you never picture the words uh, beautiful and terrifying in the same sentence. But I I see 100 percent what you mean. I mean, that's it has to be very cathartic and very just kind of like a breath of fresh air. But at the same time, I can see how it would be somber and bittersweet. Um, There was uh, and I think I think it was you uh, just forgive me because I've I've had a couple of interviews. there was a gentle was it part of your team that had spotted a, a gentleman with a very um scary smile in the after the basement incident yeah so with, with, with that so just from you know between you and me I, I don't know how how new you are into the paranormal field but when you uh, so my whole gist of fuel by fear is not to give negative energies energy okay. um or so when you talk about it you almost give it give it energy understood um, yep yeah so and that and that's something that's taken me years and years and years to understand so even by talking about it in my home where i feel safe um it can give it energy uh, okay. but but yeah so one of my students who's a gifted medium as well and i work with the every person in my group has a different kind of gift uh, with this student she is um i would say more clairvoyant uh, so she's able to see things that other people can't see. And I, and I identify as a clairvoyant as well. Although your abilities kind of shift as you, as you progress as a medium. So she saw what looked like a, I mean, I would say probably based on her description, I would call probably say it was the smiling man. Oh, it's, it's not. So I think people at the, at that house specifically are looking for original ghosts, the ghosts that actually belong in the house and they, they are there, but there's another energy that kind of dominates the other spirits. And I think it's, it's non-human. Um, uh, it could be, it's something that assumes the role of Andrew Borden as well. So this man that she saw assumes the role of Andrew Borden, who was, was Lizzie's father. Okay. Yeah. I I guess where my curiosity with that was um, through all of my interviews and honestly, one of the biggest fuels behind starting this podcast is I have had experiences um, and I I don't know what to, um, I honestly don't give myself a label because I don't know what I am or why things happen the way that they do. Um, And so I want to learn and I've I've been trying to interview and kind of educate. It's, you know, it's a learning experience for me, but also for people like me or people out there who are interested in the paranormal and the supernatural. I'm trying to bring awareness and say, hey, this stuff is very real. Don't be stupid about it. And, right. you know, bring that light to it and say, these things are out there, you know, and, and don't just kind of run into somewhere like the Lizzie Borden house and think that you can just start asking questions and dabbling. And so my hope from starting this podcast is not only to educate myself and learn and open my horizons and find resources, but also to help people who are listeners, you know, 
be smarter and open it up to a younger generation that is more educated about this field. Um, and so when I heard that, um, one of the things that I've kind of learned through this podcast and, and having demonologists and investigators, there's a common theme that I'm hearing that you know, we have the D word, right? And then we right. have spirits and we have residual energy. Um, I'm realizing that it's not just simple, as simple as, you know, you have heaven and hell and then spirits. Um, and I guess in my head, from what I had always been taught my whole life, especially because I feel like we're born into our religion is, you know, depending on what your beliefs are, uh, for me, it was heaven, hell, angels, and the D word. And right. so I didn't know that there could be things that were not the D word, but were evil entities, I guess. So I, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about that and see, you know, um, what would you like, how do you classify these things? And, and in your, in your world and in your belief system, what is what, and kind of help me unpack and understand that maybe some listeners that are listening. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is years and years of research and it's not just me, but other people in the field. So it's part of, part of the development. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're, that you are talking about this because it's something that you're right the younger generation I, you know i came in without without a mentor having these gifts it sounds like that you're definitely empathic and an empath is where you feel other people's emotions uh, and that will that will lead you to other portions of your gift that will be revealed in the future uh, the other non-human entities and when you say non-human people automatically think the d word but it but from my experience a lot of the non-human energies that I've encountered out in the field are elemental energies. Uh, mm -hmm. el elementals are from the earth, but they're, I would say, more Native American spirits. Uh, and uh, and that makes complete sense because this is right outside of the Bridgewater Triangle uh, and, fall, and so fall, this part of Fall River. So there's a lot of Native American energy in that area specifically. You also have King Philip's War, uh, which was a Native American massacre that happened in the 1600s that um, I feel is still lingering on the land. Um, they also found a, a skeletal remains of what they think was a sachem, a Native American sachem, right down mm -hmm. the street from where the, the murders took place. So when we, we, so the other energies, I really feel could be Native American in nature. Uh, okay. So, uh, and so we have in New England, we have what we call little imps, like little puckwudgies are called, um, and they're neither good nor bad, but they can, they can lure you to your death, you know, they're, so they're, you don't want to have a puckwudgie <laughs> pet. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it sounded very cute. It kind of sounded like a, like a mogwai or like a, yeah, like, like a little cutesy. gremlin. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, they just lower you to your death. No big deal. You know, exactly. And, and. And I, I have people that are really fascinated with them. I'm like, you, you know, keep your distance. But you, what's the difference between elemental energies and, and other um, darker entities is that you want to give an offering of some sort. So with Pakwajis, people grow like a straw, like a like a, uh, a berry bush next to their home, almost giving them an offering. Okay. Uh, you also have with some Native American spirits, you want to offer tobacco. Uh, so it's it's a different approach to elemental energies as opposed to uh, using a, the worst thing you can do is kind of walk in with a crucifix and, you know, like, and try to do a, an exorcism because it's going to anger the Native American energies. So you have that. You also have spirits that have a lot of guilt that kind of manifest as monsters. And okay. 
I do a lot a lecture called Monsters of the Paranormal, and really my mo my monsters are uh, a lot of it are spirits that have guilt. Like I mean, like Andrew Borden, maybe that gentleman that my students saw with the with the grin and and was Andrew Borden a manifestation of Andrew Borden? I don't personally think it was, but I think that it's assuming that role. Uh, then you have what I feel is the most common. It's called they're called thought forms, and thought forms are uh, when you when you give tours or when you investigate a location over and over and over again, it generates something outside of you. It manifests, uh, and it almost creates a monster. And so you can call it a thought form. You can call it an egregore. Uh, I see a lot of that in Salem, Massachusetts, which is where I've given tours for many years. Uh, but mm -hmm. you're gonna have a thought form at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast because people come in with intentions to solve the murder, to um, to demonize Andrew Borden. Uh, so they're mm. going to maybe create a manifestation that looks like Andrew Borden or assumes the role of Andrew Borden. Uh, so I would say from my personal experience, the what people view as the D word probably would be more egregores thought forms that are really, really angry. So this kind of like this ball of energy that will scratch you, do all sorts of things to you, can even attach to you. Wow. I never, I've never even heard some of these terms. And it's funny because, um, like I said, like, so since I was a little girl, and I've said this on previous podcast episodes, I love the word weird. I have been a weirdo my whole life. Um, you know, I was the little girl that when my friends were playing Polly Pockets, you know, I was there with Freddie and Jason. I was having battle royales, like, you know, on my front <laughs> step. So, you know, I always loved and was intrigued with the supernatural and um, horror and just like learning about it. And so to hear these like new terms, it's just very interesting because um, I've always been the person to sit at a campfire and be like, okay, what crazy experiences have you had? And one, um, one of my really good friends, uh, he's, um, he has a Spanish background, his uh, mother, um, and please forgive me because I'm, I'm not too good with the terminology, but uh she kind of worked um, in like, I think it's Brujera, I don't know how to say it. Uh, it's like B-R-U-J-E-R-A. And I'm like, I don't want to butcher it. But she, um, he was telling me a story about her with her mother. And he said um, his grandmother and his grandfather, they had something called a, it was like their angry room. And if they would ever have a spat or they would come home and they would be in a mood to kind of prevent fighting. You go to kind of like the, the emotional, like angry room, you let it out and then you walk out and you just, you start fresh. And what they didn't realize over time um, was that his grandmother was very sensitive and she didn't realize they were creating almost like this poltergeist. Um, yeah. And this is one of the first stories that I had ever heard about like that energy manifestation of kind of leaving constantly leaving this room, you know, just dropping off your negative baggage and then leaving it behind. And they would feel a million times better, but weren't realizing that they were creating like almost like a hoarding situation of negative energy. And it turned into a full-blown poltergeist um so to say or you know maybe it's called something else but is that like the same thing it's the same thing yeah absolutely that's a great example uh so when when you have an argument in a room and you walk and you can feel the room feels heavy that's what that is so okay. but imagine having a room dedicated to that and and you have that really 
like the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast or, you know, like some of these haunted locations where you go and you have some people that have extreme, extreme fear and it almost creates something. And I will say that, and this is in my book, Fueled by Fear, but it's almost like these manifestations actually feed off of emotion, extreme emotion. Uh, so, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously a murder, like a really horrific murder, like what happened in 1882 is going to leave a scar. It may have even created the initial, uh, the initial energy or thought form uh, or tulpa, but then it, it's been fed and fed over the years and now it's a full-blown monster. Yeah. And that makes that makes so much more sense because I always wondered, um, I did an episode on the Velisca axe murders. Um, and that's another one that people have been scratched or they've been and, and they ultimately, you know, like you said, go to the D word. But, you know, you can't help but think, you know, now knowing this, like how many, how many hauntings and, and, and these energies that people claim to either be the D word or ghosts are truly not just layers and layers of years of people coming in and out of here and kind of dropping off their energy. So that's, that's really neat to learn. So I, I thank you for that. Cause like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and so the when we had the spirit squad weekend, so we actually held it at the Edgewood Manor and which is a beautifully, you know, it's an old, dates back to the early 1900s. It was actually um, a place where nuns lived for a while. So it had a pretty positive energy, but it's also haunted, but it's never been investigated before. So it was a great location for my students to connect with, I guess, the, the actual house spirits, but then also juxtapose it with a location like the Lizzie Borden house, that has been investigated a lot and see how how it's different and yeah uh, and it's 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 definitely as you know as a clairvoyant as someone that investigates both kinds of locations it's really hard to kind of get through the baggage and the in the the manifestation that that are around you at a place like the lizzie borden ben breakfast to the original ghost or the spirits that actually are disembodied the souls that i feel that are some of them are stuck there so uh, yeah it's it's super fascinating and it's a lot, a lot of layers to it uh, but I do you know as, a, as an instructor for up and coming uh, just, you know uh, in past clairvoyance it's really important for me to um, to show them the different the locations so they can get feel the energy and the difference in the energy and how to investigate at a place like the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast versus a location like the Edgeward Manor that has not been investigated. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice with that Edgewood Manor because they can go in kind of with a clean slate. Because like you said, I mean, there's been places, um, you know, that I've been to, like for my bachelorette, my all my girls were like, all right, we're taking Morgan to Penn Asylum. And, you know, it was funny because I had had a dream and I said to my husband, because they were keeping a secret, I said, they're not taking me to Penn Asylum, are they? And he was like, who he was like looking at me and he like didn't want to break it but I could tell it was like right on his lips like who told you and I was like I had a dream that I was walking down one of like the cell hallways and I was like I just I feel like this is where they're taking me and so we pulled up my stomach kind of just did this like backflip um and I was like standing there and I did kind of go into that with a little bit of fear because I was like there was a lot going on um and you could feel it like it was just one of those things where I felt like if I took a knife I could cut straight through it and I almost felt like you know things like that would happen to me often and I was like was it 
was this something like trying to warn me? Was this something kind of saying, Hey, like, just be careful kind of going into this? Um, because, you know, I don't know. Are you familiar with Penn Asylum? Yeah. 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 I, another location that I stay away from. I mean, I, I, I really recommend if a location, if you're getting a psychic red flag from the location to wait until you're ready to go in. Um, and I think for, I, you know, that's what my book Fuel by Fear really is about. I had three locations that I swore I would never go to, and I did, but I did it with a team where I felt safe with the team, and I was in the right place and the right frame. And the three places were The Conjuring House, which I swore I would never go to, Hensel House in New York, and The Sally House in Kansas. Uh, and Penhurst is another location, but for me, it's more about... Um, kind of like the same issues with Lizzie Board Bed and Breakfast. It's been investigated. So I feel like it's more the baggage and there's mm -hmm. what you get the like the children pretend that they're pretending to be children, but they're not children. Yeah. Uh, something else pretending to be a, like a little girl. And to me, that breaks my heart because it's so hard to differentiate between an actual child spirit and an energy pretending to be a child. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it was just, it was, it was definitely one of those things where, you know, pulling up, it was like, I already had that, like, in my head, just that there was a little bit of fear there where I was like, oh man, like I, I don't, I feel like I don't do well with very heavy locations. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of where I was going with that was, you know, with the, the edge, Edgemore, um, the uh, Edgewood. Edgewood. Sorry. I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'll get it down. I'm like, there's a lot of places. Um, but with the Edgewood, you know, it's nice that they could kind of walk into that with a clean slate and not have the fear and not have, and just kind of see what comes naturally. Um, and so I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit about um, the spirit squad. Cause I mean, this sounds really awesome. You know, how did this get started? You know, what, um, you know, who typically comes to you? Like, how does this all work? Um, you know, just sounds really neat so spirit squad is a group of so we have classes online so we have uh, five classes for each sequence of spirit squad so we we just finished up spirit squad two uh these are empaths and um mediums that are kind of like you they're just they they know they have some sort of gift and they want to fine tune those gifts uh and so it's a uh, it's a it's it's a community of people like you gathered together. We share information. Um, I'm kind of the facilitator, but and I act as their mentor. But it really is the group and the power of the group together. Uh, and what's happened is, so we meet we meet five times, so like once every week. Uh, we have a Facebook group where we kind of share notes. Uh, we go through the the different. Uh, just kind of like what we're talking about now kind of like we talk about like the different types of hauntings we talk about different ways that i what i use that works for me to communicate with spirit like the estes method or the gonsfeld method which is where you wear the blindfold and the, the white noise or you know other devices like I'm, I'm a big dousing rod i use dousing rods a lot um so we go through the different techniques and um and then so and we have a kind of like a field trip at the end where the group goes and they do a psychic sweep of a location. Uh, and I, I kind of I already know the, what they're supposed to pick up, but they, they don't. So they go in cold, <clears throat> which is what you're supposed to do if you're a medium. And so they go in and they read it and they nail it. So it's just, a, for me, the most important thing about Spirit Squad is it's, it's, it's a safe environment for uh, 
people who have abilities to fine tune those abilities and to work together as a group. And you'll find that you'll have, when you have mediums together, it amplifies the gifts. So if you come in with just as an empath or, or if you come in as a clairvoyant, other things are gonna shift with the group. So you're gonna have abilities. For me, working with Spirit Squad, I've never had the uh, the this, the clair where you can smell or taste. And with this group, I do. And so other abilities kind of amplify and, and intensify. And you'll see the power of positive energy together. And also the fact that you can go to a location. If you go in by yourself, you'll have a horrific experience. But when you go in with a group, it's actually can be turned into a positive experience. Wow. I mean, yeah, I could see how that would be because it's very empowering. And I mean, they always say there's power in numbers. So, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And it sounds like something that's truly needed because one thing I will say that I think has kind of, I mean, I'm 28. So it's been a very long journey to kind of get to this point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to tear the robe off and I'm just going to be who I am and like figure it out and start asking these questions and put myself out there on a public forum and just not care because there's a lot of stigmas. There's a lot of judgment, oh. you know, yeah. when it comes to mediumship, psychic abilities, and especially the supernatural just in general. And I think that when you start to embrace that weird, this is probably the most happiest, the most liberated that I can personally say I've ever felt. So to give people like that a group where they can be safe and they can, like you said, fine tune and just be who they need to be without judgment or fear or rejection, you know, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. That's amazing. And the world needs a lot more of that. It really is. And, you know, so I, I travel all over the country. I lecture um, a lot of paranormal conventions and uh, and it's weird. Everywhere I go, I find a spirit squad member. So I'll have a group of like a thousand people and that one person, I can see them in the room or feel them in the room. They kind of emerge. So I have a, the people that are in part of spirit squad or is, that, <clears throat> is that one person in the audience that just needs it. It's almost like that they're call to me and so that's that's what it is so it's me looking for people like yourself or like other people uh, throughout the country uh who need need this who need a safe environment where they can feel where they're not judged uh and there's all all different levels of mediums in the group and there's all different uh skill sets um i do i do like to pair up sort of the more you know the ones that have a lot of experience with the younger group because I feel like that mentorship is really needed. So yeah, it's, it, it is beautiful. And it's a, it's a lovely group. Um, when you, when you actually get, when you get outside of the spirit squad bubble and you actually don't like look on social media and there are people like, I don't believe in mediums. And I'm like, I, I want to respond to those people, but really I'm like, I, like my, my purpose is to, is to help the younger generation to accept what I couldn't accept most of my life. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I always say I came out of the crystal closet, but it, I, I, and I did. I mean, like that's what it, because I was a journalist. I mean, I, I was very well respected, but I will tell you, I've always used my gifts no matter what I did. So when I was a journalist, I would use it to find information. And like, how did you find that out? I'm like, I don't just, you know, like I really, <laughs> I really dug deep to, you know, to, to find that. But really, a, a lot of it was just clear cognizance. Yeah. That's, that's honestly, it's, it just hits the nail on the head. And that's so perfect the way that you said it. Cause 
I just feel like um, I've said it a lot on this on this podcast is I'm like, I feel like I finally have emerged from my spiritual closet. Like I'm like, this is, you know, and it's funny because I I stayed so quiet about it and really only like four or five people in my close, close circle. And I remember being really nervous, especially when. I found my husband and I was like, okay, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Now, how do I tell him that I have these experiences? Like, so I was, you know, it's, it's hard because people, there's a lot of scrutiny and there is a lot of, um, just, there are naysayers. And I mean, with anything in life, you're going to have naysayers and you're going to have skepticism, but to, own who you are and to be that boldly and just kind of say, okay, you know what? I have to start just trusting that this is my purpose and this is my path that I'm meant to walk. I never understood what an amazing feeling that is until I started doing it. And like I said, like, I don't have a label for myself because I don't know. I truly don't know how to define myself because the things that happen are so all over the place. Um, And I think that I kept jumping back from you know I would start to kind of advance and then it was like something would happen it would scare me and then I'd like be like all right we're gonna close that door um so you know it's it's been a learning curve so it's so refreshing to meet somebody like you who definitely radiates just very like soothing accepting energy and you're creating things for the younger generation so that they don't have to kind of live the way that you and I have um, because it can be really isolating. And obviously that isolation leads to other things. Yeah. And, and just to, and I, and I share this because I feel like it helps other people. Um, so I, I have, I've had this gift my whole life. So what I did is I used alcohol to drink away the ghost. And so I was, you know, I I've been sober for 13 years. So when I got sober, um, that's when I started doing the work. That's when I started to accept who I was. I'm like, part part of recovery really is acceptance and kind of like, you know what? I can't I can't drink away the ghost anymore. It actually not only did it did it did it um, it didn't work, but it actually amplified things when I was drinking. So when I got sober and things were still happening, I'm like, I just gotta accept it. And it it took me you know many many years, a lot of a lot of mistakes along the way to get where I'm at now. Um, I was a, I was a journalist. So like I, I, I was so worried about my credibility being ruined by coming out of the crystal closet. Uh, and I, you know, and even I was even up to the point. So when I, when I was brought on to curse Lizzie Borden, I was actually on the show to be a historian and to be a family member talking about what I think is a bloodline curse. Um, but I started to channel and the producers were like, wait a minute, you can channel. I'm like, <laughs> yes. Um, and so, and I was with Dave Schrader and I felt really safe with him. And I'm like, I, it's, this is going to happen. Uh, so it shifted right there on that couch. And um, I, you know, since then I, I publicly have come up, I've, I have been open about it with my friends and with the, with the local paranormal community for many, many years, but I just didn't want to go on a, te- on a television show uh, with it. Cause I was worried that my credibility would be shot. And I will say it, it has shifted. You have the people that were really much like support, strong supporters based on my historical research and what it, my, in my books kind of, because they don't believe in psychics, um, they kind of shut the door on me, but that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I feel that I had to do it and I felt like that, that, that I, I've been vetted by the, the, 
the best of the best, you know? So I worked with Chris Fleming I, and I worked with some of the, I would say to me, the, the most respected mediums in the field. Um, and I, and I did before Curse of Lizzie Borden, but it's just like, I've, I, I've proven myself over and over again. Um, I, I have no energy to prove myself anymore. What, so what I do is I surround myself by people um, like Spirit Squad who, where I can help them, you know, basically be the people that they're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I love that. And congratulations, seriously, on, on 13 years of sobriety, because um, I'm the daughter of an addict. So, you know, I, I know how hard that is. And I know that yeah. it is, it's, you know, an it's not a destination. It's a, it's a constant lifelong journey. So, I mean, kudos to you. Um, that is amazing. And to turn, you know, this into, you know, this beautiful success story and helping other people find their purpose and embrace it is just absolutely beautiful. So seriously, like I am super proud of you and that's just a, such an amazing thing. And I'm excited to have you on here because I think these are the things that listeners need to hear. This is the education part that I think is going to change lives. And I'm hoping it'll change lives when people, you know, are tuning in. Um, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to touch on um, is I actually um, had learned more about you through the house in between two. Yeah. Um, I had, I had talked to John Bullard and I had him on here. Um, but it was funny because during COVID, you know, that was when Tiger King kind of became the, the last resort, <laughs> you know, you're like, what is happening? Like, there's literally nothing else on TV. Um, and I was like, oh, I need like a good, like something spooky to come out. Like, I was like, I want to do some research. And then boom, my prayers were answered. The, the house in between the first one came out um, and we watched that and it was not what I expected, but pleasantly, you know, it was very right. educating and it was, it, informative um and then the house in between two came out and i was like oh what a treat so you were on the house in between two um what was that like it, so it was it was amazing so so i had filmed already filmed curse of lizzie borden so i at this point i already had kind of came out of you know with my abilities publicly um so i did a radio show called radio show called Paranormal Rewind. I interviewed Vera and Kendall, uh, who are the producers of House in Between 2. Uh, I was talking to them about, the, so they did the, um, the, the, the Conjuring House documentary. Um, and was, so I was interviewing them for that. And I just, I read the property. I told, I was kind of telling them what I was picking up uh, from the house and they were just kind of blown away by me. Uh, so they're like, Hey, listen, we're working on another project. Uh, we can't tell you what it is, but we're going to, you know, we want you to be on this, on this documentary and having seen their work with, uh, with the, the sleepless unrest, it was called, uh, having seen their work, I'm like, you know what, I'll do it. Uh, and they're like, will you go on as a medium? And I'm like, yes, I'll, you know, I'll do it. Cause I feel like that what you have to, so I like to, if I go in as a medium, I like to not know where I'm going. I think it's really important to kind of go in with fresh eyes. And sometimes they'll put, literally put you in a blindfold and they'll they'll lead you a look to a location. So you can't be um, have that preliminary research where you kind of dig for dig for the ghosts. Um, yeah. And so I didn't really know where I was going to be. And I, I didn't even think that they were going to do a house in between two. I didn't, I didn't even know that. And to be honest with you, I didn't even, uh, the first, the first one, I, I, I didn't watch it. So I didn't really know what to, 
what to expect or where I was going. I thought I actually thought they were wanting me to be a part of the of a another one on the Conjuring House. I just knew that the group that produced uh, produced the Sleepless in Arrest were just really good people, and they were great filmmakers. So. Um, I did know that I was going to be working with another medium, and um, and they they brought me to uh, to Mississippi, and I still don't even know what part I, I forget what part of Mississippi, but I flew in. Um, I had a blindfold on going to the location, so I wouldn't be skewed by what I picked up on. I pull out, and then uh, so Steve from Ghost Hunters was there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Steve from Ghost Hunters. <laughs> And he's, and by the way, he's, he is so nice, but he also like before I came on, so I like, so I use tools out in the field. So I, I'll use dousing rods or Estes method or What's other your things. favorite to... method? I wanted to ask that before, cause I know you said yeah. you do like the dousing rods, but is that like your, is that like your method? Like the one that you would prefer? Like what's your favorite? Yeah. I need something. So I need something to validate me, especially when I'm like first at a location. Cause it, like you'll have a psychic mediums. They'll kind of, they'll, they'll, they'll bring you in and they want you just to read the property. I, I it switches. I, I love the Estes method, but it doesn't translate necessarily well on television. It's just good to kind of feel out the energies with the Estes method, I've been doing the Gonspell method, which is where you have a blindfold, you have a white kind of white noise, uh, and then you, you're supposed to have like um, ping pong balls and like a red light, like a red light to kind of stimulate your brain, I guess. But I don't need that to kind of connect. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that a lot lately, and, and to me, that that's super powerful. But I, I always use my dousing rods. My dousing rods are kind of my my babies, especially when I'm out at a when I'm giving tours or at a location where I just need yes or no confirmations, I use the dousing rods also to direct me where to go. Um, okay. They're almost like my an extension of my of my energy of my of my abilities. So anyway, I get out of the car and and um, Steve is like, "All right, Sam." Um, and and the thing is, I I didn't know Steve, but I we have a lot of mutual friends, and okay. I've, I've I've talked to him on radio shows and stuff before, and now I consider him a good friend because he was he was great. He's like, all right, so a lot of our viewers, this is any kind of like he said to you, like you said, it, it was educational, so it's really important for him. He's like, a lot of our viewers don't believe in psychics, and so and so what I want you to do is to do your thing, but not use tools like dousing rods or like the Estes method. I want you to go and read the land. And like, I've never done that before. I just go and you like read the land. Um, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I walk in, I walk into the house. And so I meet Alice and she is absolutely lovely. I love this woman. Uh, there was an older man that said, basically was telling me to get out. Like he was like, get out, get out. You know, this is my land. This is my land. Uh, and then we walked through the house and I, and I, and I, I do really, without using my dousing rods, I do very well reading the locations that had the most energy, which is, there was one room where Alice had that initial encounter that con continues to haunt her. And, and I would just, I will say this. So when I met Alice for the first time, we were just like, Soul, soul connection. I got. I just. I. I love that woman, and I, I immediately loved her. Uh, so we. So I, I'm there with no tools, and I walk in the in the backyard, and so they're again. They're like, you can't use anything. You can't use uh, any dousing rods. No. No tools whatsoever. I'm like, all right. So I'm gonna ask the animals on the property to give me validation, <laughs> and. So we're walking around and I pick up what I pick up. Um, and 
you know what what aired on the show versus what there was so much more to uh, to my walkthrough. That this always happens, but I'm, I I am really grateful for uh, for how it turned out. I think it turned out fantastic. But what I so there's a part where I'm with Alice and I'm like, you know, all right, all right animals like respond to me you know is what i'm saying is it true and you can hear the the birds kind of squawking in the background <laughs> like they were validating me like yes it's true and alice's chin just dropped <laughs> she's like she's like snow white is that you yeah. <laughs> you got all the, the animal friends i love yeah. that though that's so neat yeah. And so they, they put me out in a tent in the backyard. There was like an isolation tent. So I was out there for many, many hours and probably one of the most haunted lo land locations I've ever been to. Uh, so I was hearing all sorts of things around me. Uh, and then I then I brought in and I meet the other medium, Jill, for the first time. And uh, and the thing is we, and we also, she's, and it's, we really connected on a really deep level. Uh, pretty quickly. And so we're able to validate each other. So when I'm, you know, when I'm telling what I picked up and, I, and I'll tell you when you, the, when you're on a show on a documentary and you have no way to validate yourself, um, you feel really raw. Like you're almost like, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say something wrong. And when she was able to validate what I picked up, I mean, I'm still getting emotional about this because it felt um, it was scary. It was scary. It was like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a, you know, like an ass out of myself. And, but also too, the emotion was not just that I got it right, but also too, that what I picked up was so horrific. Uh, yeah. It was a, it was a lynching. And, and so when you have something as, as horrific as that, and, and seeing that and reliving that, um, that was emotional too. So when you see me, you know, get get emotional, that's real. Like that's legit emotion that I felt. And but super grateful that I was able to work with Jill and work with Steve and work with the team and meet Alice for the first time. Oddly, like we were never, I was never in the same room with <coughs> with John and and the other investigators, Brad, but. I mean, I felt their energy there. And even when I was wa watching the documentary, um, I can, <coughs> sorry, I can, I, part of me is like, so for example, there's a part where um, the cat is like digging in the ground. Yeah. And, and I kept seeing like, you need, you need to dig, 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 dig. Because the spirits were telling me to dig. And that's the spot where I, I wanted them to dig. <laughs> That's I'm telling. So you are also. We have to add animal whisperer to your roster. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Because that's all I had. I'm like, all right, animal friends. You know. <laughs> but that's really neat how you like. But that's the cool part is like you went in totally raw, and you were yeah. able to pull from the environment around you to help you use like as tools. So I th I think that's like profound. That is amazing. And, that and, is really and cool. That, like, and also the, the the not relying on what you normally use, like dousing rods or other tools that you, I mean, even, I would have loved just the pendulum, you know, yeah, just like a little a pendulum, just for some validation. Like, and throw that, me a bone, guys, come on. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll see me, like, even the part where I'm, I'm like, okay, birds, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm telling the like, animals, if I'm responding, and they did, they responded, I, I'm almost kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and, yeah. and I, but I did, but I did it. And I'm really proud of myself. And I will say some people that are more advanced, they can actually go and they, they can go with a blindfold and read the energy. And I'm, 
I well, I mean, obviously I can do it, but I had to use other tools to be able to 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 tap into the energy. I almost wish I would have walked the property with a blindfold on because I really felt like I would have probably picked up the energy stronger without a blindfold. But whatever, like whatever happened, whatever whatever you see on the house in between two, uh, it was meant to be. And this was right before Curse of Lizzie Borden came out. So when I filmed it, I didn't, they didn't, the people on, on the show really didn't know me as a medium. They knew me as a historian. They knew me as someone I could go to when it came to Salem, Massachusetts. So there were people were able to see me for the first time as a medium. But at this point, I've I had already filmed three shows uh, as a medium. So I had already, so I, I, every show that I got was, I, I would say I got better. Um, Cause I like being a medium, like at an event versus being a medium on television is two different experiences. <laughs> it's like, okay. yeah, it's, a, it's a very, it's very different. And when I say that it's because you have a cameras rolling and you're worried about messing up really. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of self doubt when you have a camera rolling. That's like honestly one of the worst things that I, I will say, like when people like will ask me, like my close friends are like, how did you know that? Or like, they'll like, kind of like, I'm like, listen, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. Like I ha like, there's certain things that come through and my biggest, I want to say flaw is like, I'll know things. And like you said, the validation is amazing because when you're initially trying to tell somebody something, um, like even last night, you know, my friend uh, Megan was on and we're like relatively new friends. So like we've done things together. We've had fitness classes together, but I don't know anything kind of deeper than that. And it's almost like the only way that I can describe it. And I was kind of trying to tell her is it's like an itch that you have to scratch. And like, I'm sitting there and there's, it's this person that's constantly like, I'm like, she's like, just tell her that it's Pam. Just tell her that it's Pam. And I'm like, I don't like, what if, like, what if you're not the person for her? And like, I don't, I don't know. So I was like, I always like doubt. And I'm like, maybe I should just say anything at all. And I'm like sitting there, but then it's like the more that I try and like, I'm like, please quiet down, like pipe down. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to say anything. It like just gets louder and louder, but that self doubt is like, I have to just, like, I'm like, what if this isn't the right thing? And I'm constantly like second guessing. It's the worst. And so like, I, I a hundred percent relate to that, like nervousness and that I feel like it can be anxiety inducing sometimes. It, it, it really is. I mean, like I, you know, yes, I have to realize that I'm, I'm, I'm right. You know, <laughs> I just, yeah. I went, what I, and I tell this to my students with spirit squad, I'm like, listen, just, just say it, just you're in a safe environment. Just say it. There's no wrong answers, but when you're dealing, when you have a camera rolling, it's a whole other level. A uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of pressure. And you, and you're like, and if you just say it and it's completely wrong, then it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. They're like fake shun, shun, shun. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, no, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. So I, I literally give you kudos because I can't, you know, um, I, I hope like, I don't want to sound like I'm making it like about me. It's just, I, you're saying things that are like very relatable and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it makes my heart kind of pound because I can only imagine, like you said, to have a camera in your face and then to kind of have stuff like that coming through. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to kind of read the land and put this out there but like you're right if if you say something wrong i mean there's so much scrutiny and judgment behind things that like people are quick to 
to jump. So, I mean, but you were, uh, you're amazing, you know, and I thought that was so cool that the house in between two really was, um, I, I told John Bullard, I'm like watching it. I, when I finished the first one, I was like, I have so many questions. <laughs> like I was like, I wish I could just like send you a list of my questions and you could answer them because you know, I just, it was so amazing to see these, these uh, very intelligent, um, this, I, I can't even talk this, this much intelligent behavior, I guess is what I want to say. And then it was like, it ended and I'm like, okay, but we want more. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have lots of questions. So when the second one came out and you were there and like, there was a lot, I feel like there was a lot more, um, kind of answers and closure. Um, I know that it's still way ongoing and there's a lot yeah. to kind of unpack there, but I was like, wow, I was like, Sam is kicking ass. I'm like, this is awesome. So, <laughs> you know, well, it was really cool. I will say, so there, there was much more. I mean, so that, and so we kind of, we have the, the validation scene where I go in and I meet Jill and, and the conversations that I have with Jill off camera, um, she, she was the right person to work with and it was just a wonderful team. Um, other things that I'll, and we'll save it for maybe, maybe there'll be a house in between three. <laughs> I hope Fingers so. crossed <laughs> because there, there was definitely more. And, and, um, and I, and I'm actually grateful they didn't put that on the second one because I feel like there's other, th there's other layers of the onion that we need to, to explore. Yeah, I mean, I am right there with you. I am going to, I said this to John last time. I was like, I am manifesting that a third one is coming out. I'm like, because again, like even though the second one did give me like more closure and it had, I feel like some answers, it was enough to keep me satisfied for now. I'm like, <laughs> for now. But I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm waiting. I was like, I just want you to know when you're out there in the universe doing your thing, I'm sitting at home and I'm like, all right, like I'm watching Instagram. Like, when are we doing this announcement? Because I know it's got to be right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and I, the part for me out of all the different, um, the different scenes and house in between two, the one that I love the most was at the very end when Alice actually stays in the house and to me like that it's i mean even thinking about it it's, it's just super beautiful because i understand how she was terrified she really was terrified and and also i i this woman you know when you meet her you just fall in love with her you just love you love alice and i still do and i'm and we're friends on on social media and it's just like i love this woman and i want i want her to 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 be able to sleep at her house. And so when she was able to do it at the very end, I mean, not, I mean, I guess I shouldn't give it away, but that part yeah, was just put like a little spoiler alert, but it's totally fine. Cause like, I mean, that was what I was like rooting for is just cause she, I don't know her, but just seeing her in the, like, she just seems like such a kind, just genuinely gentle person. And she's a um, retired psychiatric nurse. So, yeah. and this was supposed to be her retirement home. Yeah. And it's like, it's so sad. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I feel like you work your whole life and especially in a field like that, I mean, healthcare is it, that's an animal in itself and to retire from a field like that. And then your house is not, you can't sleep there. I mean, that's so like, you know, it's disheartening, it's discouraging. So, you know, to, to see that, I mean, that's, that's really awesome. 
and and I will say like the 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 house itself is beautiful. It's a beautiful house. Uh, it's a beautifully active house. The land the land seems to go on forever uh, in the back. So you you know we were in the tent, and I will say like during the daytime when I, and I was in the tent as the night progressed. From daytime to nighttime is completely different experiences. So um, I did my walkthrough during the daytime, and when it shifts to night, it's like it it gets scary. So I I feel I feel her. I feel the 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 feeling of of all, like what's going to happen uh, when it when it got dark. Now, is the would you say the energy? Um, this is one of the the burning questions that I've had is. Um, I did. John had said that that it shifts drastically, but I was wondering like since a lot of it does seem to be land-based is it scarier outside than it is inside or would you say it's it kind of balances out and it just turns scary altogether inside and outside uh it's definitely scarier outside and imagine being i mean like i was in that isolation tent for about three hours and kendall uh, the the director he was like i wish i would have had a camera because i was like I was hearing and feeling and seeing all sorts of things like during during the time inside. They were filming Jill on the inside uh, of the house. So when I went out in in that isolation tent, um, I kept going peeking out because I heard something and I, I saw. I mean, I, I will save it for hopefully the third the third iteration. But I saw a few things that didn't make the the second one. But yeah, there, I would say outside definitely. Like I'm getting, I'm getting juiced up. I'm ready. I'm like, this is just, honestly, it's going to be a hunger pain. I'm going to be sitting here and I'm be like, please <laughs> just release the third one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing. And it's just so, I just think it's so much fun how much you have produced. Like, you know, you're not only doing, you know, TV and, sh you know, shows, but books, tons of books, awesome books. Um, and now I wanted to ask you, have you lived in, in Boston or uh, Massachusetts like your whole life? Uh, so no, actually. So I grew up my, so my kind of, so my dad was in the Navy. So I actually Grew, I grew up in Florida, Pensacola, Florida. I moved here in the 90s. So I was almost, I felt like I was called to New England. And the, the fact that my family lineage dates back to this area makes complete sense to me now. Uh, but so I've lived in this area for since the 1990s. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was kind of asking. Um, and then like another question that I had too was, I have been kind of just doing my own like little research project on the side. Um, and I've been wanting to get like more psychic mediums on here because I've been doing this research about kind of like how ethnicity and like culture um, kind of ties into people who are gifted. Um, so do you mind me asking like your lineage, like what is your ethnicity? And do you believe that sometimes that may have something to do kind of like genes, you know, like some people are like Italians are more prone to having brown eyes, dark hair, like that kind of thing, like something silly like that. But, you know, do you think that that kind of ties into how, you know, people may be maybe more gifted or more open to things. Um, yeah. So on my mom's side, so we always thought we were Native American to be, to be honest with you. We didn't know where our, where my mother's grandfather came from. And it turns out that, so Charles Hughes is my, is my grandfather's name. Uh, his father was originally from Portsmouth, Rhode Island. And we didn't know all of this. So he actually, our, we thought we were 
Native American, most of our life, and we're actually, we're, we are English. So that is all the ties to the Borden family is from my, my mom's father, my grandfather and his father. Um, on my biological father's side, Baltrusis actually is Lithuanian. So yeah, so Lithuanian is um, is my other other side. And yeah, they, they also are very uh, spiritual as well. I would say, you know, like my family in Lithuania um, moved to uh, Illinois. So I, I also have ties in, in Illinois too. Uh, and my great grandmother, uh, super Catholic, super, super Catholic, but also um, she she had things that I would say were kind of witchy and um, what she did that were part of the culture. Okay. Yeah, I always feel like, I don't know, like one of my other theories too is I do feel like um, psychic gifts and like mediumship always tend to be a little bit more on the maternal side. Like, do you feel that? Well, I mean, with yeah, so it passed down through my mother. And so my mother, my sister, Shannon, um, actually my niece, Aubrey, is gifted as well. And that kind of why I decided to go public with my gifts is really for my niece because she is doing what I did as a child and what my sister, Shannon, did as a child. And now some of my other family members, like my sister, Angie, um, and even my mother, my mother is starting to accept it, I guess, a little bit more that we have a gifted family. So yeah, it's definitely on my mother's side. I love that. That's so awesome to hear. So I guess like my other question too is how did you, like, what were some of your first experiences with your gift? Like as early as you can remember, what were some, oops, sorry, those are my dogs. What were like some of the first, some of the first, you know, um, situations or, you know, scenarios that you can kind of give to our listeners that kind of said, Hey, something, something's going on. Well, it, I was always a sensitive child. So my mother, so my parents divorced. Um, and so we lived in Chicago, uh, parents divorced. We moved back to Florida. Uh, my grandfather, who is one of my spirit guides uh, and who is my connector to the Borden family, uh, uh, my uh, last name is Hughes. Um, we were actually stayed at his house, but this is after he passed. And I remember, um, so and it turns out that I was sleeping in my grandfather's room. Uh, like after and I didn't realize it was his room uh and so this is when I was around seven or eight years old or actually no actually I was six six years old and I would get these really profound dreams almost like a download from my grandfather so I've always and I hear that my grandfather he of course was not um public with his gifts but very prophetic um he would always have like almost like prophecies uh that he would tell his children, uh, but also he was super religious too. So he of course wouldn't say, hey, I'm a psychic, but our whole family follows um, the sleeping medium, uh, uh, Casey, um, Edgar Casey, uh, who, so we all, I would say similar to what he did, my grandfather did as well. Uh, so my first experience was seeing my grandfather on the corner of what was his bed, um, but waking up and having conversations with my grandfather. Uh, and I would describe him to my mother and my mother's like, that's your grandfather. And I've never, I never met him before. Um, well, I did when I was younger, but I don't, I didn't remember seeing him as at uh, one or two years old. So it started from there. And I, I had friends. I actually had, uh, what I thought were actually, uh, kids, they were actually ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome though. <laughs> yeah. And one of that, so, so 
the genie was a um so as a little girl she actually came came out like this weekend she kind of revealed like kind of let the group know who she was uh but one of my childhood playmates was a ghost <laughs> oh my gosh that's that's fabulous though i love that yeah. Oh and I didn't know, I mean, my whole life, I'm like, oh, what, what, my mom was like, there's Sam, there's no genie. And they're like, and she actually, so there, there was a, there was a little girl who um, lived down the street, my, but she died. She actually died as a, at a young age. And my, my niece, Aubrey is doing the same thing. Hers, her little ghost is, I think, Emily. And she just, and her, her ghost friend had hollowed out eyes. So I'm like, Aubrey, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> If your ghost friend has hollowed out eyes, she's like, do you see her, Uncle Sam? Do you see her? And I'm like, I did see her, but I don't, I, I just would, so Aubrey kind of attracts darker energies. So I just wanted to make sure that she's safe. So we, safe, we really yeah. work, we work a lot with her with protections because she tends to bring in little ghost kids with hollowed out eyes, you know? <laughs> that's like, that's like worse. That's, I don't know. Like for me, that would be like the worst thing to hear my child say, like to walk up to me and be like, Hey mom, there's a, there's somebody with no eyes in the kitchen. I would be like, <laughs> I'd be like, okay. Um, <laughs> so, well, how do we deal with this now? <laughs> around like eight, like eight or so, it actually got darker for me. Um, so like I kind of similar to Aubrey, I had, I had a visitation. It actually was a man wearing a hat with red glowing eyes um, and kept like staring at me through the, through our window. We had this, this really large, like kind of um, open window that looked out to the woods. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and I was terrified. So I, I've slept with the light on most of my life uh, after that, because I really didn't want to, cause I, I would sleep with the, the light off when I was a kid, but then just because I because I kept seeing dark, I would see more like monstrous things. So I put up, I would say like paranormal blinders for mm -hmm. most of my teenage years, and I would still have experiences along the way. But I just was so terrified from that that experience, that initial experience. And the thing is, my sister Angie, she remembers it too. So it's like I mean, we're able to talk about it now, but we weren't able to talk about it as kids. That, so honestly, that just made me feel so much better um, because like my family, like it's all fun and, you know, they love me dearly, but they always roast me because I am 28 years old and I am still afraid of the dark. Um, <laughs> and like my friends laugh at me, but it's true. They're like, you are like the biggest scary cat when it comes to the dark. And I'm like, I like light. I picked the house that has like five or six windows in the living room. I like to have all my blinds open. I am very much a, I need to have light. I don't like the dark. I don't like sitting in a room that's very dark. Like, so it, it makes me feel better that you said that. Cause I'm like, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> Cause like, I, I don't, I was like, I gotta, at some point I gotta grow out of this. I'm like, this has just gotta be just something that I just never phased out of, but I'm like, okay, maybe there's some, there's a rhyme or a reason to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, so that's, I, I still sleep with the light on, but my book feel by fear that just came out talks about a lot of the phobias and uh, fear of clowns, that. um, fear of like mannequin dolls. I'm, I'm terrified of dolls in general. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of strange phobias. Well, and it's funny, like, I, I definitely want to, I'm definitely going to order this as soon as we get off, because um, that honestly has been the biggest hurdle that I have faced in this journey. And so that's why I like 
getting educated and picking people's brains because the one thing, I mean, it does, I will say it does take a lot to scare me. Like I have seen many different things. The one thing that I don't do well with, and that's why it freaked me out when you were talking about your niece is I don't like things with no eyes. Black yeah. eyes, no eyes. I don't do well with it. Um, yeah. I had a very, very, very terrifying nightmare that I can still feel like it's real today, 28 something years later. Like the thing when it finally revealed itself to me, like in my dream, I truly believe that it was some sort of attack and I, I don't know what it was, but it was not good. Um, it, it, when it revealed itself to me, it was my mom. It was presenting itself as my mom and she wasn't in my life at that point and when I didn't believe it and I was challenging it and saying like no you're not when it revealed itself it was this nasty looking I don't even know what to describe it as it was just terrifying and it had no eyes yeah um that's the reason I can never watch the the end of Jeepers Creepers I am not I can't do no eyes so you know just those two things that you said I was like okay I'm like maybe maybe I have a reason here there's a there's a rhyme and a reason And the fact that like Aubrey, you know, she, she doesn't watch scary movies. So she like, we're our family. So my growing up, my, my, um, my mother like didn't let us actually watch scary movies. Uh, so she didn't get it from like a TV show or from a, from a movie. She got it naturally. And that's the same with me as well. Um, but yeah, when she said the hollowed out eyes, I was like, Aubrey, we need, I need to, we need to talk. <laughs> and she's six, I mean, she's young. She's like, and and the thing it's also like too like this is happening right around the time it happened to me it happened to my sister so it was around six years old yeah and hopefully you know because i know you said it it was later on when things started to kind of get dark for you so maybe for her it might be a little bit opposite hopefully fingers crossed it might be like dark and then we'll kind of enter the light the light phase Well, I, I mean, so my sister actually is, is part of Spirit Squad. So, and the reason why she's oh, part okay. of Spirit Squad is to to educate herself to help my niece. And oh. so we, a big part of Spirit Squad also is, is protection. And so she does a lot of protection with Aubrey. So she'll, she'll, we have like a little, we have crystals that, that she wears. She has a little um, a blessed uh, necklace that she wears. Uh, so we we definitely really uh, and we also focus on grounding and shielding, um, which is a big part of psychic mediumship that I didn't really learn growing up. I didn't know how to really protect myself, uh, so now I do, and so we we passed it on to Aubrey, and hopefully she'll be able to not to be accepted for who she is and not have to live, you know, like basically hide her gifts, which yeah. is what I had to do. Yeah. And she's so lucky to have you and especially her mom for that, because now that you have this spirit squad, I mean, you're going to start her off on the right foot and make sure that she is confident and powerful and can embrace that. That's, I just love that. That makes my heart so happy just learning all of that. Cause you know, it just, it gives me hope that we're going to have a younger generation that embodies that confidence and that powerful energy to help the people around them, but also come together and be those power in numbers. So that's, that's fantastic. So, um, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I think the kind of like my last, um, question, I always love asking this, what is out of all the shows and like books and stuff that you've done, all of your journeys that you've been on one favorite thing that 
like what is your absolute you know top favorite either location your favorite book that you've written um and then one place that you're like it was the worst experience of my life we'll never do that again and would not recommend it to anybody else and then just a piece of advice to our listeners so i mean as my like my passion really is Salem, Massachusetts. So I my the book that kind of changed my life was my book Ghost of Salem. That's my international bestseller. It's the one I'm known known for. But it's also where I ha- I have a stalker in Salem, and that's one of those locations that is is kind of like bittersweet for me as well. So ghost to me, Salem will always be my that my the place that I love, and also the place that I've had the most terrifying experiences in. Uh, but so I would say ghost to Salem. I would you know, I would say even and I you know as far as like locations, I this past year I went to bucket list locations that um, I said I would never go to. I. I really love the Hensdale house and I'm really grateful that, that I was able to go there. I do think it does call psychic mediums to the location, uh, but, but I really would like to go back there. And another bucket list location that I visited that I absolutely loved was the Stanley hotel. And I'm actually going back. My little, my brother, Justin, um, just moved, well, not just, he's been there for a couple of years, but moved to the Denver area. So going back to the Stanley Hotel, which uh, to me is, is one of my fa- all-time favorite haunted hotels. And that's the inspiration really? for the movie, movie The Shining. Yeah. Um, and then one location that I that I haven't been to, I, I actually went as a, as a tour, but not as a, as, I just kind of grazed it. I didn't go at someone that was into the paranormal as the Queen Mary. And I, I've oh, always... Yeah. That's a that's a that's another bucket list location that I would love to to spend time on and investigate. Um, a place that I don't want to go back to. That's actually really hard. I mean, I think that there's a lot of locations that have been um, that may have energies there that are negative. And you know, really, and I hate to say this, but Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. I mean, I really mm-hmm. feel that the, with the new owners and the new um, the I don't. I don't want, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go to, and even though I, I'm tied to the family and I, and I feel I've investigated that location a lot. I also feel that I, my work there is done and yeah. it was good to kind of have some closure and to uh, offer, I, you know, I did actually, I had like a little crystal that I left, um, left at the house, uh, offering up an apology to the family. And I do, you know, I care about the story and I care about that the story is told correctly, but I also feel like I've, I've done I've done my time and I, and I, I feel like I had a full circle with the Borden family. So that's probably the location that people ask me like all the time, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to stay there. What should I do? And I'm like, I'm probably not the, the right person to ask because I had a pretty horrific <laughs> experience there, <laughs> but, but yeah, probably the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. Okay. Okay. That was a fantastic answer. Now, one piece of advice for the listeners, if you could give one. Um, so the piece of, I would say slow and steady when it comes to tapping into your abilities. I think there's a, there's sort of this desire to kind of quickly, you know, uh, work on your abilities and fine tune it, uh, slow and steady wins the race. So take it, it's, things are going to unfold for you organically, uh, and just kind of go with the flow, trust your instincts and let it fold naturally. You can't force it. Uh, and also too, like, and this is something that I tell myself, um, and is if you ever go in with my, my purpose is to help other people and to hopefully uh, 
help the spirits that may be trapped here or to give them a voice. But if you ever go in with greed or go in with wrong intentions, your gifts will completely shut down. So go in with good intentions and you'll have a positive outcome. I love that. I love that. That's the perfect piece of advice. Well, I I can't thank you enough. And you are always welcome here at the Ghoul Friend Hour. We'd love to have you on again, you know, sometime in the near future. Anytime you want to come on and, uh, you know, talk about some projects or if there's a house in between three, I'm going to snag you up and I'm going to be like, Sam, you got to come back on and you got to fill us in. (laughs) (laughs) There's. There's so much more that I would love to talk about. And I feel like that they may be holding holding on to it for a third version. So we'll, we'll see. So I, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Well, like I said, you're always welcome. And we just can't thank you enough for your time tonight. Um, I've just really enjoyed it. I feel like I could talk to you for a million hours. You are such a fantastic soul. And I've really enjoyed having you on. So um, I have a little ritual that I say every time before I, I kind of close out my little Zoom. Um, I always say, let until next time, let's get weird. So until next time. Let's Let's get get weird. weird. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sam. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon, but in the meantime, take care of yourself and just stay beautifully blessed. Thank you. Have a great night. Good night. (laughs) Bye. Bye.